Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. It's been a great morning so far, hasn't it? Can we make some noise for uh, just God and what God's doing? Like we said, it's our Mission Youth Takeover today. Um, so we've had some students, you, as we saw, student-led worship. We've got students taking pictures, students serving. Uh, and it's just a, an amazing time. I don't know about you, but I really do believe, uh, which is probably good as a youth pastor, but I really do believe uh, in the next generation. I really do believe that uh, they're not just the next generation. They're the now uh, generation, that God wants to use them now, that God wants to use them for their gifts now. Uh, and we're just so thankful to be in a church uh, that allows students to do things like that. Uh, also, do we love our lead pastors, uh, Tyler and Rachel? Come on. They're the best. I say this every time. I'll say it every time. They're not normal. They're not normal leaders. Uh, they are amazing. They are exceptional leaders. Uh, to be able to gather in a room like this and for them to be leading the charge uh, is just such an honor. So, so thankful uh, for them every time I get an opportunity to do this. Uh, but it is our youth takeover. Uh, so I am going to talk about our youth ministry just a little bit. Um, so super excited. Uh, we actually launched in-person services uh, for the first time six months ago. Uh, so it's been amazing. We actually were able to finally launch uh, in-person services, and we've seen just amazing things happen all throughout our students. We meet right here at 6 p.m. on Sunday nights at uh, right here at Mission HQ. Um, as well as we're launching uh, this summer, uh, our first summer camp. Uh, so yeah, we can put some no make some noise for that. Uh, summer camp is going to be so much fun. We cannot wait. We're actually going to be going to Mission Springs, uh, which is out in Santa Cruz, uh, and it's completely renovated, uh, new auditorium, hotel-style rooms. I always joke with our students. I say, for as long as I'm the youth pastor, uh, you don't have to worry about going to tents. You don't have to worry about going to the woods. Uh, you're, you're good. It's going to be luxurious summer camp. It's going to be summer retreat. We're going to retreat together. Um, but it's going to be awesome. We're bringing in some guest speakers. We have some other churches that are going to be going with us as well. Uh, and we even have a video, a promo video. So you guys can go ahead and play the promo video on the screen. on. It's going to be amazing. Cannot wait. Uh, if you want to come to summer camp, it is not too late. Uh, if you're in middle school or high school, of course. Uh, but uh, it's not too late. Outside at our youth tent, you're going to see a QR code that's going to take you right to the link to register. Um, the registration is $375. We tried to make it as affordable as possible for our students. Um, and then uh, as well as if you're maybe a student in here and uh, you're thinking, well, $375 is, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if that's something I can do. We've actually already had families and people donate scholarship, uh, something that's a huge value for our youth ministry and for our camps. Uh, is that we're never and we have never had a student not be able to participate in any of our events because of money. Uh, and that's because we have a generous church. Uh, so go ahead and clap for yourselves. Uh, pat yourselves on the back. Um, <clears throat> it's amazing. Uh, as well as just a couple more things that have 
uh, been happening in our youth ministry. Uh, really quickly, uh, we've been able to get on school campuses all throughout the East Bay, which has been so much fun. We've seen students uh, at College Park get saved. We've seen uh, students come to know Jesus, get involved in the local church, as well as uh, we've just been able to partner with so many schools. And then uh, lastly, uh, the most important one I, uh, for me uh, and for our church uh, in six months of being a youth ministry, we've had 113 students give their heart to Jesus uh, on Sunday nights. Um, so that's amazing. Uh, that's 113 students that have now entered uh, into a relationship with Jesus, uh, and, that's, and that's the goal. The goal is to, uh, we say that our goal is to uh, change our city one student at a time, so every single student uh, gets to have that opportunity, and, and we're just so thankful for our youth ministry. Uh, but uh, this morning, I'm excited to preach. Uh, we're going to be preaching on fear. Uh, look to the person next to you and say, fear. All right, we're going to try it one more time. Say, Fear. We're going to talk about fear this morning. We're going to talk about being afraid. Uh, now, fear is a funny thing. Uh, the reason why is because something I'm afraid of, uh, you might not be afraid of, and something you might be afraid of, I might not be afraid of. So I actually looked up, okay, what are some fears? What are some fears that people have? Uh, and I wrote down a couple. Uh, I'm going to try to say them as well as I can. Uh, but the first one is uh, ilurophobia. Uh, this is a fear of cats. Uh, now, you might be thinking, what? That is crazy. Who in God's name would be afraid of cats? Uh, my wife has ilerophobia. Uh, she is afraid of cats. Whenever we go to someone's house uh, for dinner and we're not sure if they have a cat, that's the first thing she asks me. That's like the thing that stresses her out most, more than like, what should I wear? It's, do they have cats? Will they put them away? Will their cats touch me? My wife has ilerophobia. Another one is uh, jellyophobia, a fear of laughter. Uh, now, that one's crazy to me because people are so probably afraid that the people next to them are laughing. I don't, I don't fully understand that one, but, but people have it. Uh, another one uh, is deepnophobia, uh, which is a fear of dinner parties. Uh, so all my introverts said amen. Uh, they are like, yes, finally, I have a reason. Dinner parties, they scare me. Uh, Another one is metrophobia, uh, a fear of poetry. Uh, this one weirded me out a little bit because that means if I was to walk up to them and say, roses are red, violets are, wait, stop it. You stop right now. That's not funny. You're scaring me. It's not cool, man. Uh, pentherophobia, fear of your mother-in-law. I'll leave that one there. Uh, ergophobia, fear of work. Uh, all my adults said amen, uh, afraid of work. Nomophobia, fear of losing cell service. All my students said amen. They're like, yes. Anytime your parents, oh, we got to take your phone away. No, I have nomophobia. Trust me, it's a thing. Uh, and then phobophobia, fear of fear. People are afraid of being afraid. Uh, that's me. That's me for sure. I don't like being scared. It's a weird thing. People who like, who like scary movies in here? Make some noise. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else, you are people of God. I don't fully understand them. Hey, let's go get scared. I love nightmares. That's weird. That's weird. Why is fear a funny thing? Because to me, what I've had to realize about fear is that fear never travels alone. A lot of times what happens is fear is connected to things. Fear is connected. And the two things that I feel like fear is always connected to, the things that were reasons why we have fear, the first one is fear is connected to flaws. 
So because you and I know our limitations, because we know our, how, how flawed we are, because we know that we make mistakes, because we're not perfect human beings, we sometimes get fear because of that. What does the Bible even say? How do we know this is true? The Bible tells us that what casts out fear? Perfect love. Meaning that until we, are in, in, uh, until we have died and we have seen God face to face, you and I, we will have flaws, which means that you and I will sometimes have fear. And the second thing that fear is, I feel like, connected to is failures. Fear of failing, fear that God will fail me, feel that medicine will fail me, feel that I will fail myself. So the reason why this is interesting is because these are two things that until we see God face to face, we are always going to have. We're always going to be flawed. The Bible even tells us basically that we are always under construction until the day that we see God face to face. And then we're always going to have failures. You and I will always come up short. The Bible even tells us that our righteous days, our best days, the days that we're killing it, those are just filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. Those are just filthy rags compared to the perfect love of God. So for the rest of our lives, you and I will have flaws. For the rest of our lives, you and I will have Failure, which means that for the rest of, of our lives, there will be moments that we have fear. There will be moments that we will be afraid. There will be moments that we have doubt. So what do we do? What do we do if this is something we're going to have to navigate, if this is something that we're going to have to walk through? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm going to pray one more time before the preaching of God's word. God, I thank you that you are teaching us, God, how to navigate fear. You were teaching us how to walk through fear. You were teaching us that fear, yes, it's going to come. We're going to have doubts. We are going to have fear, but you were in control. But you were holy, but you were, but you were all powerful. Do it only you can do in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So the characters of our story are going to be the Israelites. And what you have to know about the Israelites is that they struggled with fear. So what would happen is they had just now been brought out of Egypt and they have now found the promised land, the land that they were supposed to go to, the land that God has said, hey, I'm going to give you. This is the land that is yours. They have now found this land. So what they decide to do is they decide to send spies into the land. And what happens in Numbers chapter 13 is it says, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And then it tells us the list. And then as you go down to verse 17, it says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on to the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Uh, by a show of hands, raise, me, it, raise your hand if you enjoy grocery shopping. Raise your hand if you enjoy grocery shopping. Yeah. Raise your hand if you're like me and you're like, I don't like grocery shopping. I do it out of necessity. I do it because I have to, not because I want to. Uh, something I always tell my wife is that grocery shopping is not an event. It's not an event. Like people really get like all gussied up and they're excited. Like, yes, we're going to go to Target no, that's not an event. This is like, my wife loves grocery shopping. When her and her best friend get together, the first thing that they Google, they Google acai bowls and they Google targets. That's literally it. We could be in the middle of Maui. And the first thing they would say is, does Maui have acai bowls and does Maui have a target? Do they have a target? And they'd be found in target. Now, why do I dislike grocery shopping? There are two types of people when you go grocery shopping. There are people who have a list and there are people who like to go through all the aisles. 
There are people who like to see every single item. Why? Because, well, there might be something I needed, but I forgot to write down. I don't understand it. My wife is like a hybrid. Like, she makes the list, but still goes through all the aisles. And I'm like, we've been here for 45 minutes. Like, what is going on? And the worst place that I have found this out is Costco. Like, Costco is like the worst place to go for a list. Like, if you go to Costco with a list and like a $200 budget, be ready to leave spending $1,000 and buying two plasma screen TVs. Like, every single time. Every single time, you're gonna buy two plasma screen TVs. You're not even gonna know. You're not even gonna understand why. And what's interesting is that I like hate shopping. I hate going to the store, but my wife loves it. She loves going to the store to the point that a few of us were out at lunch literally two days ago, and all of a sudden she looked over while we're at lunch, and she goes, oh my gosh, is that a TJ Maxx? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is. She's like, okay, we're gonna go to TJ Maxx. And for like the next like 10 minutes, she's like trying to like figure out things. It was me, Shane, uh, Tiffany, and Paige trying to figure out things for me and like Shane to do so that she can have an excuse to go to TJ Maxx. Like, hey, don't you need something from Sports Basement? Like, don't you need more golf balls? Don't you, you need more sweats. You need more sweats. You go there, we'll go to TJ Maxx. So we get to TJ Maxx and the line is like wrapped around the entire thing. And I'm like, are we gonna wait in this? Like what is going on? So we're waiting there. I'm frustrated, but I have to keep a good attitude. And I'm sitting in line, and we finally get to the front. And I'm not going to lie, uh, I am somewhat glad we went to TJ Maxx. I looked over, right, we got to the front of the line, and I saw a Theragun for like $25. And if you know the Theraguns, they're like the massage guns. And now my wife is like, see, I told you. You enjoy shopping. I told you. And I'm just sitting there like, you're wrong. Uh, using my Theragun. Uh, but... What's interesting about this, what's interesting about this story is that the, the list that God gave Moses, the list that he gave Moses was actually pretty simple. He looks to Moses and he says, hey, I need you to go to the land that I'm going to give to you, and I need you to send some spies. That was it. He said, send some men to the land I'm giving you. But then all of a sudden, something gets lost in translation, and Moses goes to take the Israelites and send out the spies, and all of a sudden, he starts adding to God's plan. He begins to say, hey, check out the trees. Check out the trees, but also check out the people. Check out the people, but check out the cities. Are the cities big? Are the cities small? Are the cities, are there, can we build fruit? Bring back some fruit. Bring back some things that we need to do all of this. No wonder they are stressed out. If you've heard the story before, the spies come back terrified. They come back worried. They come back anxious. Why? Because Moses sent them in to explore things that God had never asked them to explore. And I think if you were to look at your life, if I was to look at my life, the times that we get into the most trouble, the times that I have the most fear, the times that I'm the most anxious, it usually can be rooted and started in moments to where I'm spending time and energy and resources exploring things that God had never asked me to explore. Oh, how much time could we have saved? How many mistakes could have been avoided? How many resources could we have kept to ourselves had we just stuck to the plan? Had we just stopped exploring things that God had never called us to explore? So now we have a group of spies who are terrified. We have a group of spies who are upset. We have a group of spies who are anxious. Why? Because they were asked to carry burdens that God had never asked them to carry. So now what was meant to inspire them begins to intimidate them. What was meant to fire them up now brings fear to their hearts. So what we're going to talk about this morning is four things that you have to protect when fear comes. There are some things you have to guard. There are some things that you have to hold close. And the first one, the first thing that you have to protect is you have to protect your purpose. 
You have to protect your purpose. You see, they brought back the wrong report because they were sent in with the wrong purpose. They brought back the wrong report because they were sent in with the wrong purpose. And if you and I do not guard our purpose, if we are not careful, what will happen is just like the Israelites and just like my wife when she goes to Costco, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself wandering, going through aisle and aisle in life, looking for things that you were never supposed to look for and in result, finding things that you were never supposed to find. You'll find yourself looking for relationships you were never supposed to look for looking for financial ways to get ahead that you were never supposed to look for, looking for opportunities that you were never supposed to look for, and actually finding some things that you were never supposed to find, finding heartbreak you were never supposed to find, finding anxiety, finding fear that you were never supposed to find. You see, they were never supposed to bring back strategy. They were just supposed to bring back fruit. They were never supposed to bring back strategy. They were never supposed to strategize on how they were going to defeat the giants. They were only called to go look at the land. Why is this important? God didn't ask them to strategize on how to fight the battle because the battle was never going to be theirs. What does God say? He says, send some men, what? To the land I'm giving you. Not the land you will conquer. Not the land you will overtake. Not the land that you will fight. What? The land that I am giving you. Some of the most inspiring, yet some of the most heartbreaking things that I'm going to have to explain this morning is that there are going to be some lands that only God can give you. There's going to be some things that only God can give you. There's going to be some hope that only God can give you. There's going to be some joy that only God can give you. And if we are not careful, we will find ourselves looking for things, fighting for land, fighting for things that only God can bless us with. You see, the promised land couldn't have been earned. It could only be given. The promised land couldn't be something that they worked for. It had to be a gift from God. There are some things in your life that cannot be worked for. They are only a gift from God. So what do we have to do? We have to protect our purpose. We have to remember why we were sent. We have to remember, no, we're not just in these jobs by accident. We were actually sent. We have to remember, no, we're not just in these schools by accident. We actually were sent. We're not just in these families by accident, in this city by accident, in this church by accident. We actually were sent by God. And we have to remember our purpose. So the story continues. And it says, when they reached the valley of Eshkel, they cut off a branch bearing a singer cluster of grapes. So now they have gotten into the land and they cut off a cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkel because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them in the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. They say the land was good, but the people. The land was fruitful, but, but the people. The land was amazing. The land was everything that we thought it would be, but the people. Why is this interesting? Because you and I have a tendency to allow one negative thing to outweigh all of the positive things. How do I know? Have you ever been about to go out on a date with your significant other or your spouse? And you were all dressed up and you were wearing that outfit, like the outfit you're probably going to post about, not just post a story, but this one's going to go on your feed, like you were wearing that outfit. 
and you guys were getting ready to go and you're excited, you've been waiting for this date all day and all it took was one comment. All it took was one thing, one sarcastic, crazy. Do you just call me crazy? All it took was one thing. And then all of a sudden, the whole night was ruined. You can't even enjoy your food. People are, nah, you're just, you're just so angry, nah. That's how I always like make fun of myself when I'm upset, just nah, that's how I sound, nah. And now you're angry and you're upset. A night that could have been amazing, a night that could have been fun was ruined by what? One comment. Have you ever had a time when you were at work and it was the most amazing day ever? Once again, you're wearing that outfit because it can't be a good day if you're not wearing that outfit. Like you can't, it can't. You're wearing that outfit, you show up and there's donuts in the break room and you're, and you're like, this is about to be an amazing day. You're like, oh, I knew God was with me today, but it's, it's special. There's donuts. It's someone's birthday, so you know you're about to eat good for lunch. It's going to be a good day at work. And then all of a sudden, you check your email, and you got an email from that person. Like, we all have that person. Like, they don't even have to work in the same job as you, but you got an email from that person. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the day was ruined. Why? Because you and I have a tendency. We have the, sometimes the tendency to take one thing. We have the tendency to allow the bad to outweigh the good. We have a tendency to allow the bad to overpower the good. Now, what's interesting about this entire story that you have to know about the Israelites is they complained about food a lot. A lot of times they complained about food. They were hangry people. Like literally, they were, hang they were people who were hangry. So they would say things like, oh, we're, we need some food. We have no food. This food was, it was, it was just better in Egypt. So then God would like let bread fall from the sky. They'd be like, oh, bread, seriously? We need better food. We had better food in Egypt. Something they complained about was food. Something that they thought about was food. So what is the one thing that they bring back from the land? Food. What's the one thing? The Bible even tells us the clusters were so big that they had to put them on a pole and have two people carry them. Scholars even believe that each cluster would have weighed about 10 to 12 pounds of grapes, of food, showing that the food was amazing, showing that the food was awesome, showing that the food was, was about to be good. And they're sitting there holding clusters of grapes, complaining about the giants. They're sitting there holding fruit from the land that God said that he would give them, complaining about the giants. If we're not careful, you and I can be holding fruit from the land that God has given us and yet still be complaining about the giants. You and I could be living in a marriage that maybe should have ended Maybe divorce papers were even on the table and then God moved and then God restored and then God healed and someone had a change of heart and yet we still keep complaining about the giants. You and I could be living in a job, a job we maybe didn't deserve, a promotion we weren't even supposed to get, but then God moved and God opened a door and yet within a week, we're complaining about the giants. But the second thing that we have to protect, the second thing that we have to really guard when fear comes in our hearts is you have to protect your perspective. You have to protect your perspective. How do we respond when blessings become burdens? How do we respond when the things that we prayed for become things that have giants in them? Pastor Shane, who's our production pastor here at the church, uh, was speaking on this at Tuesday Prayer. And uh, if you know anything about Shane, uh, we call him president of the Funny Club. Uh, he is the funniest guy you will ever meet. He really knows how to like stick one in, like really stick a joke in there and really get, you know, the, the jokes in the right place at the right time. Uh, but he's telling this story and he says this statement and he says, do I spend as much time thanking God for the blessing 
as I did praying to God for the blessing. And he says this statement and it stuck with me and he said, do I spend as much time thanking God for the blessing as I spent praying to God for the blessing? And I start to think about my own life and I think, no, I definitely don't spend as much time thanking God for the blessing. I think I spend a lot of time complaining to God for the blessing. I think I spend a lot of time blaming God for the blessing. But I would question, do I really spend time thanking God for the blessing? Do I really spend time thanking God for the things that he gave me? And if we are not careful, what will happen is you'll be able to scout the land. You'll be able to see the land. You'll be able to even explore the land, but you'll never be able to inhabit the land. And I know some of the stories that are in this room and you've worked too hard. You've done too much. You've spent time in prayer. You've spent time journeying. You've spent time going to class. You've spent time doing things in order to have it be taken away because you're looking at the giants. But my prayer for our church is that we would be able to enjoy the land. That we would be able to enjoy the things that God has given us. We have to protect our perspective. And then the third thing that we have to protect. So now they've came back to the land and they have the fruit, and they're, and they're giving the report to the people. Now, what you have to know is this report would have been given publicly, maybe even in a room like this, but with more people in it. They would have been standing up here giving this report, telling people, people who have heard about the land, telling people who have, who have maybe heard of, of the land that the ancestors had talked about, that people had talked about, told stories about the land. So now they're about to hear about it, and they're, they're anticipating it, and here is what the report said. So they've given this report, and they've said... We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and large. But then in verse 30, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take potential of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They say, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I've shared this before uh, on stage, but I... Uh, have been known to give bad recommendations uh, places. Uh, this is kind of the reputation that I have. Uh, and it started, uh, I've shared this before, but it started uh, when I went to a restaurant with some friends uh, and it was a really nice restaurant. They were pretty hype about it. Uh, and I said the restaurant reminded me of Steak and Shake. I did, but I said it like in passing. Like I didn't say it thinking that my like recommendation card would be revoked and they don't take any of my recommendations. Uh, and it's been seven years. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be talking to them about forgiveness uh, very soon. <clears throat> but uh, I recently feel like I like earned my like recommendation card back. Uh, so I had some friends that were in town, uh, and they were like, "All right, where should we go to eat?" And I told them about a place called Broderick. Uh, now, if you've ever been to Broderick, Broderick has like the most amazing burger. Now, you might not trust my opinion after what I just said, <laughs> but I'm going to give it anyway. Broderick has the most amazing burger that I've ever had, and, and pickles. The pickles are great. Pickles are amazing. So we go there, and my friend's there who like revoked my recommendation card, and he's like, oh, this is a pretty good burger. And I'm like, yes, all right, slowly but surely. 
So now, like, any time, because I know that uh, if I recommend this place, people will go there. Anytime anyone asks me, like, where we should eat, like, we go to Broderick. Like, I've been to Broderick three times in the last week. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, but it's because I now, like, like, the worst thing that could have happened was for me to get my recommendation card back. Like, the most dangerous thing to ask me right now is where should we eat? I'm saying Broderick, and we're going. So we recently went again with some friends, and we were there, and they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. The food is so good. Uh, and even Mike T went home with a big jar of pickles, because the pickles were so amazing. <coughs> Sorry, I outed you. <clears throat> Hope you didn't mind me sharing that. But the pickles are that good. You're going to want a jar. They sell them, $12.99. So <laughs> it's like, do I sell them? Like, what? Like, does he sell them? <laughs> do you get, no. Do you get percentage of that? Do you own Broderick? I wish. Um, so then I go there again and we're debating, okay, where should we go after our staff lunch? Where should we go on Tuesday? And what did I say? I said Broderick. So we go there and yes, it's just as good the third time in a week as the first. It was amazing. It was so good. Go to Broderick. You won't be disappointed. I should be in their commercial. Uh, but why are opinions so funny to me? Why are, they, why are they so hilarious? Because you and I could be experiencing the exact same thing. You and I could be in the exact same restaurant. You and I could be eating the same burger. You and I could be watching the same movie. We could be listening to the same song and have completely different opinions, have completely different outlooks. Now, what's just happened is that we have 12 spies who have just seen the land. They all were there for 40 days. They all walked the same roads. They all took the same fruit. They all experienced the same thing and yet both come back with completely different reports. We have one who say, hey, we can conquer this. I think we can do this. And we have one who are afraid. They even go as far to say this statement, a statement that maybe you've even heard before. We looked like grasshoppers to ourselves and to them. Now, what's interesting about that statement is there is no reference. There is no scripture that says they ever talked to them. There is no scripture that ever shows us that they spent time with them, that they hung out with them, that them said anything about the Israelites. But what happens is that you and I can sometimes make a report not based off of what we see, but based off of how we think we're viewed. You see, whether you know it or not, you and I, we are giving reports of our life. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, you are giving a report of your life on what you agree with, on what you disagree with, on what you'll speak out on, on what you won't, on what you think is right, on what you think is wrong. And what I have seen time and time again in my own life is nine times out of 10, this report is less based off of what I see and more based off how I think I'm viewed. A lot of times it's based on how I view myself. A lot of times it's based on how I feel myself. But the third thing that you have to protect, the third thing that you have to watch is you have to protect your potential. You have to protect your potential because you can see a land filled with giants and still think you're a conqueror. But you can also see a land filled with milk and honey and still think you're a grasshopper. Because it's rarely based off of how you view it. It's, rarely, it's usually based off how you view yourself. You see, both groups saw the land and were proud of their reports and even spread their report. Something you're gonna have to know is that there are gonna be people who see the same land as you who see the same things going on in your life and the report that they give might not be the report that you see. 
I'll never forget me and Paige were, had just gotten engaged and uh, we got engaged on a Saturday, went to church on Sunday and within five minutes of walking into the room, my friend comes up to me and he says, oh, congratulations, I heard you got engaged. And I'm like, yes, we're so excited, we can't wait. When's the wedding? Oh, we think we're gonna do it in about six months. And he says, oh, well, could prepare for the worst six months of your life. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for the warning. Should we talk? Like, is there something going on in your life that we should talk about? Because that is not, just, just so you guys know, that's not how you respond to someone who got engaged. I feel like we can agree with that. That is not something you should say. Well, good luck. But what's interesting is that a lot of times someone can be saying the same things as you. They can be saying the same promotion you got. They can be saying the same family you're trying to start and see a completely different report. How do I know this is true? Because there are two things that are the easiest to do in life. The easiest things to do in life are to complain and to gossip. Those are the easiest things to do. I can always find something to complain about, and I can always find something to gossip about. In my life, what is the easiest thing to do? I can complain about my job. I can complain about my family. What is the easiest thing to do? I can gossip about the people around me. And if we are not careful, we can think that we are policing culture, but we could actually be killing potential. You see, you and I could think that we're just sharing information, we're just, we're just making sure someone knows. We're, we're just making, we just want to make sure that we're not the only, we just want to keep people accountable. And yet we can be spreading a negative report. What is a negative report? A negative report, I, I wrote it down. The definition of a negative report. A negative report is any report in which you are not a part of the problem and you are not a part of the solution. If you're not a part of the problem and you're not a part of the solution, it is a negative report. It is something you should heavily consider sharing. It is something that you should heavily consider. Is this, is this something I should talk about? Is this something I, because whether you know it or not, you could be killing potential. You could be taking down people's potential. And what I pray for our church, I pray that our church would be a place that people can come here and they can struggle well, that they could actually share things and everyone would be tight-lipped about them. That it wouldn't be a place where we gossip about so-and-so, and did you hear about so-and-so, and so-and-so, and this and this, but it would actually be a place where people can find healing. It would actually be a place that people can come and they can share things in confidence, knowing, hey, at Mission Church, I know they're not going to talk about you behind your back. At Mission Church, I know they're going to stand with you. I know they're going to support you. I know that they're going to love you. I know that they're going to rally around you. But how do we do that? By protecting, by guarding, by taking care of our potential. And the last thing is I invite the keys up. So the story ends. They've shared this report. And in Numbers 14, it says, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. 
Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. He says, do not be afraid of them. Over the last few weeks, I've gotten three different texts, and Mike even talked about one situation as he came up here. I've gotten three different texts of students taking their lives in our community. And as a youth pastor, this, this, this just hurts me. It just breaks my heart. And I have the opportunity to even go and talk to some schools with an organization, and we talk specifically about suicide. And something we tell is we tell a story about a student who tried to take his own life, and what ended up happening is he wasn't able to, so now he goes to talk to other students, and <clears throat> we ask him, they ask him, they ask him, hey, if you could tell them anything, if you could tell students struggling with suicide, struggling with depression, anything, if you could tell them one thing, what would you tell them? And the thing that he wanted to tell them was it gets better. I know you're struggling now, but it gets better. I know it feels like the world's going to end now, but it gets better. But there's more ahead of you than behind you. And what I know is that this is not just something students struggle with. This is not just something I guarantee if I was to Google suicides in the Bay Area, I wouldn't just see students under 18. But I would probably see parents. I would probably see brothers. I would probably see sisters. I would see uncles. I would see people who felt as though they couldn't go on. Now, what's interesting about this story is that the Israelites say this, and I'm sure that we've heard the phrase before. They say, hey, let's go back to Egypt. Now, what you have to understand is that the Israelites would have known that going back to Egypt probably wasn't an option. When they go back, they're not going to be welcomed with open arms. A lot of them most likely probably would have been tortured. A lot of them most likely probably, scholars believe, would have been killed. A lot of them most likely, scholars believe, would have been flogged. They would have been miserable. They would have been beaten. And yet they're saying, hey, let's go back to Egypt. They're saying, I don't want to go on anymore. I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to go to the promised land. Just take me back to Egypt. They are saying, I would rather go back to Egypt at the possibility of losing my life than to take another step forward into what could be ahead. Now, why is this important? Because fear never wants you to take a step forward. And if I can even be honest with you, fear never even wants you to stay where you are. But fear always wants you to go back to what's comfortable. Egypt was torture, but it was comfortable. They were miserable in Egypt, but they were comfortable. They were tortured in Egypt, but they were comfortable. And the last thing that you have to protect, the last thing that you have to guard, is you have to guard your vision. You have to guard your vision. Sight is seeing things as they are, but vision is seeing things as for what they can be. Sight is seeing things in your situation as it is now, but vision, vision is seeing things for what it can be. So Caleb and Joshua, they begin to tear their clothes, which in this culture, which in this time was a sign of mourning. It was a sign of being overwhelmed. It was a sign of being in pain. They begin to tear their clothes because they're frustrated. Why? Because the Israelites, they just, they just couldn't have vision. So they begin to say, hey, if you could see what I see, Oh, if you, could just, if you could just see what I see, I know there's giants, but if you could see the land, I know there's things going on, but if you could see the land, if you could see the land that God has for us, if you could see the milk, if you could see the honey, if you could see the land, 
One of the hardest things that you're going to have to do, but one of the most beneficial things for your life will be having to take your eyes off of the giants and just putting it on the land and saying, yes, there might be giants, but I believe that there's also land. My job as a pastor at this church, the reason why I'm passionate about young people, the reason why I love seeing broken hearts coming to Jesus, the reason why I've given my life to the local church is because my job, my role is to get people to take their eyes off of the giants and to see the land, to see that, yes, I actually can be the first person in my family that doesn't struggle with addiction, to say, yes, that I actually can be the first person in my family that's not an alcoholic, to see, yes, I actually can be the first person in my family that raises up godly children. Why? Because I've taken my eyes off of the giants and now I see the land. What's interesting about this entire thing is that out of the 12 spies that would go to the land, two would actually get to see it. The other 10 were killed on sight, like immediately, struck down. Why? Because nothing will keep you in the same spot more than believing that your situation can improve. Nothing will keep your marriage in the same spot more than believing that it can improve. Nothing will keep your job in the same spot more than believing that it can't get better. And yet, Caleb and Joshua were able to see the land in its fruition. Why? Because they could see the land in its future. Because they had the ability to see the land for what it was. And my prayer for you, my prayer for our church, my prayer for our community is that we would be a group of people that, yes, we're going to go through hard times. Yes, we're going to have fear. Yes, we're going to have worries. Yes, things are going to be going on in our life. But that we would say, but I can see the land but I can see things for me. I can see that there's more in front of me than that was behind me. The Bible says what? That we go from glory to glory to glory, which means that what? Things are gonna get better and better and better. Yes, they might be hard now, but something Pastor Tyler says is if it's not good, then it's not done. The Bible says that God works all together things for what? Are good, which means that if it's not good, then God's not finished yet. You might think that the story's over. You might think that there's no hope. You might think that there's nothing else that you can do, but I believe that God is raising up a group of people that will be able to see the land. That when culture is going on and it's going wild and it's going crazy and people are affirming things that we never would have thought would be possible, we would see the land. That we'd be able to do what God has called us to do. How? Because we're going to protect. We're going to guard. We're going to guard our purpose. We're going to guard our potential. We're going to guard our perspective. And we're going to guard our vision. Come on, we can stand up as we begin to close. And we ask two questions here at Mission Church. <clears throat> and the first one is maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus before. We say at our youth ministry that this means two things. The first one is that we say that it means, Jesus, I want you in my heart. We even call it heart surgery, that there are some things in my heart that I need to be removed. There are some things in my heart that I need take, <clears throat> excuse me, that I need taken out, that I need removed. And the second thing we say is, God, I need you in my life. God, I need you in my life. There are habits that I have. There are things that I do that I can't seem to stop doing and I want to stop trying to be Savior and I'd rather have a Savior come, come down and help me. So if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to come share your story. I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three so that I can pray for you. And if that's you, I'd love for you to raise your hand. One, two, three. That's awesome. I see you. That's awesome. Yeah, we can put our hands together for that. Come on. God's moving. God's active. God's working. And the second thing I want to pray over, I want to pray over anyone who has fear in their life. You're having a hard time seeing the land. All you see is giants. All you experience is giants. Everything around you just feels like giants, giants, giants. But I want to pray over you that you'd be able to look past them and see the land. 
Yes, there's going to be hard times, but you have to see the land. Yes, there's going to be things that are going to happen in your life, but I can see the land. And if that's you and you want to make that declaration today that you're going to try to do that, might fail, might succeed, but I'm going to try. If that's you, I'd love for you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. My hand's up too. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, God, I thank you that your word says that we are new creations, that the old has passed away and that the new has come. So I thank you for moments like this that remind me that I'm not just new, but I'm made new by your grace, by your mercy, by your love. God, I pray that you would help us to see the land. In times in our life, God, where things seem as though they're not going to work out, help us to see the land. Yes, there's giants, but there's also land. Do what only you can do in our hearts, God. Help us to have perspective. Help us to remember our purpose. Help us to remember our vision. Help us to remember our potential. If it's not good, you're not done. Do what only you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, can we put our hands together for everyone that made a decision to follow Jesus this morning? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.